episode of the Empowered Podcast. Joined today with my good friend, David Breton, Dr. David. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about what you do, and then uh, we'll go from there. We'll dig into it. We're going to have a good chat. Cheers, buddy. So, yeah, my name's uh, David Breton. I am uh, <laughs> Dr. David <laughs> to, you, to you then, mate. I'm a dentist, but yeah. Um, but no, I'm a cosmetic dentist um, working in Newcastle and you know, lecturing basically focusing on cosmetic dentistry, primarily Invisalign, composite bonding, whitening, things like that. Known Alex, known him a while now, mate, haven't I? Yeah, yes, we uh, we trained together at uh, Reebok CrossFit. Do you know what, I, I feel day. like we should rewind this. Yeah, okay, let's how, go back to the start. How, how I actually met you is you came for a consultation. Yes, You came is. for a consultation um, <laughs> where I work, yeah, so I, I met you in a professional, I met you as Dr. David, mm. is what I would say. Um, and I've always looked at you as Dr. David since. And um, and basically, I told Alex that his teeth were already perfect. And I said, mate, you don't need it. He said, I, I want 10, what was it, 10 veneers you wanted? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted veneers, didn't and I? And I basically just said, no. So, yeah. And from there, you just knew you could trust me, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I was so wrong. No, that's actually such an important bit that we can uh, kick off with uh, that level of kind of authenticity, which I think is one of the factors that when, when we've chatted and things like that, one of the factors that is difficult to put your finger on, but it's one of the reasons that I know contributes heavily to why you've been so successful in what you're doing. And it's obviously something that's it's difficult to train. Just that authenticity of not, you know, having that opportunity in front of you. You know, you're in a professional environment. Someone was there looking for a service, looking for a treatment that you offer. And you turning around and saying, no, I don't think you need that. Um, it's just, they're the kind of intangibles that I, I think, you know, people will look at you, other dentists will look at what you do, and they'll, they'll, they'll struggle to be able to put their finger exactly on why you do as well as you do, because on the surface, they've got the same qualification as you, um, they work in the same industry, some of them might work in the industry for longer than you have, yep. and don't have as much success as you have. And it's, it's things like that that I think are a real attribute that you have, which serves you well. I mean, I suppose, do you know what, what I love about this, and obviously the whole point of your, the, the podcast, is that all these principles are applicable whatever industry you're in. I mean, that's bottom line. Um, so that's just about ethics, isn't it? It's about ethics. And I think, look, when you're, you know, I'm 32, when you're 20s, 30s, you've got a long long career ahead, whatever your business you're going to be in. Um, and I think the problem with that is, particularly with word of mouth and things like that, is that one, you know, you can either try and snatch and grab business and just take whatever business you can, or you can look at it as more of a uh, long-term game. Mm. And I think if you do the right thing, and, do you know, if, if, you'd, have, if, if you'd have insisted, like, David, no, no, look, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, um, I would probably have then started to take you through a path and, and the beauty with cosmetic dentistry now is that we the paths we take people through a digital planning we can do so many things digitally first to show you how it's going to look why it's going to look like that um but i think ultimately as a professional particularly in a role like like a dentist doctor um lawyer you know you, you're in a kind of a privileged privileged position really and to take advantage of people and just is is a short-term game for me and long-term it's going to cost you i think so I'd rather build trust, I'd rather build relationships, and particularly in 
you know, I work in, in, in Newcastle, particularly in somewhere like this. It's it's small town. Yes. And actually, do you know, with the internet now, you can work in central London, you can work in Dubai, it doesn't matter where you are, it's small town. Yeah, it's like, the internet's the made world, the world tiny. 100%. It's squeezed it. And I, you know, I've got a friend who who did a case on a, on a celebrity, this, this composite bonding case. The, the patient, a um, couple of million, like, you know, quite legitimately a celebrity, not one of these yeah. modern day celebrities, yeah. legit celebrity. And uh, ended up this this uh, this person she did the treatment on ended up in an office a dental clinic in Dubai, with a guy who does a lot of Hollywood, and basically then this girl's work was all over the internet effectively yeah. because that was the, became the before photo, so you've got to be so careful. Um, oh, so she'd messed up. Well, it wasn't that she'd messed up; it's that she'd done composite bonding, where the patient then wanted a porcelain outcome, right. and composite might look fantastic initially but then you know once it deteriorated five years on she'd yeah. gone back to that same dentist she might have had um the same porcelain work done but it just didn't look like that yeah so you be very careful what you do i, I think th the world's very small now i think what i like about the stuff that you put out and a lot of the stuff that you've preached since i've met you was looking at the like teeth that people already have and doing the likes of the invisalign stuff that you do where you just improve what they already have instead of just straight away s you know slapping on you know you've seen the you've seen all the the people going to turkey and stuff like that yeah you know it's very much quick fix you go there and you come back with like little stubs under your teeth and you know perfect white teeth top and bottom but you've obviously when when we've spoke in the past pushed people more down the you know in in 10 years time you might want to have your own teeth in your mouth do you know what's just mad? And I think inflation's really highlighted this. But the problem is, is once you've got, right, you go to Turkey, wherever, Turkey right now, you know, they're going to say, right, all right, it's three grand for 20s of cornea crowns, right? You've got all this dentistry in your mouth. You've spent three grand. Problem is, once you've got that, you can't, you, it's not, you can't get rid of it. You can't just be like, oh, do you know what it is? I don't fancy this anymore. I want to yeah. go back to what I had before. So the problem is then you're stuck with that dentistry. Now, what happens one day? Turkey turn around and say, ah, do you know what it is? Why are we charging so little? It's 10 grand now. What are you mm. going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Like, where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're limited, you, aren't you? You're stuck with those 20 crowns. Where are you going to go? And then, you know, look, we're going to get in the UK. In the UK, there's crises in NHS dentistry. Can't get NHS dentists. Even if you could get one, do you want one now? What's the quality of the service like? I don't know. Um, the problem that you've got then is when the services get privatised and everyone's a private, then suddenly we can... All dentists could say, well, we charge this now. Right, okay, they can to, fix the price. You can, you can and take, just like, if every, if every dentist was like, well, this is how much it costs. Yeah. You, you, what can you do? So yeah. it's the same with that. So I think, look, I always say the same thing. I'm always like the best thing, best dentistry you can have is no dentistry. The best, you know, look, I'm a kind of a low, like how I try and live my personal life, quite a low maintenance style life. Um, but that being said, I appreciate that. Look, I've had Invisalign. You've had Invisalign. Yeah. I've had tooth whitening. You have to, you know, like there's certain things where I think, I understand it and it makes yes. sense to me to do that. So I understand that people want to look good. Well, it's enhancing what people already have, 100%, isn't it? 100%. It's, it's, for me, it's the equivalent of the gym versus liposuction. Yeah, 100%. You know, what if in five years' time you need that procedure again? You haven't actually improved what you already had. Yeah. It's kind of a quick fix, isn't it? Because like you said there, I mean, what is the shelf life of the crowns that you were talking about well before. it depends on the case but the problem is is as you've seen roughly though can you give me a, can well we usually say 10 to 15 okay, years okay so 10 yeah let's so go with we, 10 well, let's years. say 10 yeah. i see people who are 18 getting them 
So let's say they're 18, 19 years old. I don't know what their teeth look like before, but I assume they're probably not terrible. No, no. Because, so 18, 28, 38, 48, 58, is that 58 is when I we're think, looking to get? Well, like, the other assumption there is that people think, right, I get crowns in 10 years. I, I, I get crowns now. Oh, I'll just redo them in 10 years. Oh, I'll just redo them in 10 years. Every time you drill that tooth, take the crown off, you're going to be left with less and less tooth. Right. So suddenly you, a crown fails or needs to come off. Yeah. I, whenever I'm taking an old crown off, I'll say to people, I don't know what I'm going to find under there. It might be that if it fails, the bite into something, it just it just what we call decoronates. It basically just breaks at the gum level. So they've, they've not got anything then. So now what do they need? An implant or a bridge? And is that, again, way more expensive? It just gets more and more like, you know, suddenly you're having surgery at young age um, and you're just tied into something which you could have avoided for the sake of... Of what? A year's worth of going through. 100%. I mean, we talk like Invisalign now. I mean, I do cases. Even sometimes I say to someone, look, if you do four months of Invisalign, do you know what I mean? You do a really, you don't even have to get perfect straightness, but if you mm. get them just straight enough, we can then do composite bonding or whatever it is that's going to be less invasive than drilling teeth. And I always have people ask me if I've had veneers. And then when I say that they're my teeth, that's like so much better. When they're like, no, they're, they're your teeth. And it's like, because they just assume yeah. that if you have semi-decent teeth, that they must just be veneers. Yeah. And then it's kind of one of those things where I, I feel like I've almost earned them. Obviously, I you're haven't. Almost, like, I didn't do any of this dentistry like myself. Ringing your parents, you're like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for the genes you gave me that gave me good teeth. Look, I think we are, um, we're a fortunate generation, I think, because so many of us had... Um, I mean, I had NHS braces when I was... Yeah, same. So, so when I, I had, had to cry. I had to cry to get them. <laughs> I had to... My mum took me in and she made me cry. But, uh, she said know, that I had to cry, otherwise they wouldn't give me them. Did you know that? Did you do that? Well, I'm pretty sure now that you can just drop, like, that you've been bullied or there's, like, certain mental health things that you can pull to get things now. Yeah. Um, See, I was, the f I was the front runner in that. Yeah? I was, you led yeah, it? You yeah, led that? I led that campaign. Well, yeah. hey, you've created something. <laughs> I'm very so, proud. Yeah. But we were, no, we're lucky because we had that sort of dentistry done and... Um, do you know what's crazy? I'm, so right now I'm doing a lot of lecturing in America. When I go to America, wow. what, you, what you see in America is America's health service, like there's a bigger divide between rich and poor. Yes. You're, either, you're either homeless with no teeth yes. or you've got perfect teeth. Yeah. And do you know what's mad? That's the way the UK is going. The UK, the wealth divide over the, you know, whether everyone wants to say politically or whatever. Yeah. Moving forwards, the wealth divide is going to grow in the UK. America is so bizarre. Obviously, we live our lives, you know, l watching America, like well, Razor Light said that. So we literally spend our, as a British person, you spend so much time just looking at what America's doing. And the, the craziest difference I see is that there's no safety net. You're, as, you're closer to being homeless in America yep. than you are to being a millionaire if you're just a normal person. Because, you know, someone in your family can get ill. You could smash all your teeth out and need to pay for the dentistry bills. There's just a, a wide variety of things which could fail. Realistically, if you if you come from a half decent family in the UK, you're, you're a million miles away from being homeless. Oh, the like only thing that's going to take you to homeless is subs is one of the main addiction things. Yeah, addiction, or some substance serious, abuse, yeah. some serious life mental health event. problems yeah. are going to yeah really. Whereas in America, you could literally lose your job and your partner could get sick, yeah. and before you know it, you've got crushing medical bills. You're selling your house. You failed on your mortgage. You don't have family nearby. Not as many people own their properties as in the UK, and the, the bills you're are on crazy. The I mean, I, I, I was in on holiday last year. Went to Florida. My little boy got an ear infection, and it cost me 
to see a doctor and get some antibiotics for his ear, it was four hundred and something dollars. Four hundred dollars, yeah. like, and like, fortunately, I had, I went, I had my travel insurance, and they were like, no, we don't accept travel insurance. You've got to pay the money, and then I had to claim it back. Oh, so you have to so pay you had it to there and then. You, had to pay, you just had to pay it, and then yeah. you had to claim it back. But you just think, wow, like this is, um, yeah, it makes you realize how lucky we are in the UK. And but I, even some health insurance in America, mm -hmm. I've heard they only pay a percentage. 100 percent. So well, you might have to pay ten percent of it. But imagine if your medical bills are three hundred grand, and you've got to pull thirty grand out. Imagine being ill, how hard that is to be like seriously ill. Now imagine feeling like you're also a financial burden to your family. Yeah, hundred percent. And that and that's the big thing, isn't it? When you get ill, it's not about. Uh, you know, I always think this is look. Most people who listen to podcasts like this are probably self-employed or have an ambition to be self. You know, that's the sort yeah. of person. The biggest problem there is, uh, and it just swings back around. Like, do you have income protection? Do you protect yourself against these things? How many of us do? Yeah. No, nah, I'm 30, David. I'm 30. Why would I have income protection? I'm fit and I'm healthy. Yeah. But then, like you say, when you're ill, it's not just that you're going to be big medical bills or you know whatever. You're now, and that's what we're going to have to go in the UK. Because if you look at NHS waiting lists for anything now. It's obscene, unless you're like close to like death. You know, it's what I mean? getting bad. It's, it's getting bad. It's getting to the point where you can see privatization on the horizon because yeah. nurses are quitting. They're under obscene amounts of stress. Doctors are striking. Just a couple of days ago, you know, these are hard industries, and doctors especially have been compensated for that. Paramedics have struck. Yeah, have been yeah. on strike. You know, everyone. It's um, and it's going to get to the stage where somebody's going to come in. And they're going to say, we're going to make this better, but you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And people are going to, you know, we're not going to realize how good the NHS is so good. Yeah. In principle, it's amazing. I haven't ever been worried about getting ill. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody I, I, you didn't worry. You've had children. Yeah. You didn't have to think about what was going to happen during pregnancy. I just, don't, your scans, you just, I just don't worry at all about illness because yeah. I know that if I get ill, You'll then go it's, to the, it's not going to be a financial issue. Yeah. 100%. And I think that you know, seeing that eroded is extremely worrying because most people, especially in the Northeast where we live, yep. are very, very close to the breadline anyway, yep. especially with the rising prices and of everything. You know, if we start having to pay for our medical bills, then we are going to be fucked. A hundred percent. The problem is, is you've got to plan like 20, we always talk about, you know, we've got to, you've got to plan 20 years ahead. Yeah. So I've just been talking to you there about like, um, you know, or I'd like to be in a position. Look, right now I do, I see patients, I'm very hand, hands on and I'm already thinking like 20, 10 year, 10, 20 years ahead. Do I want to still be doing this in, in 20 years time? And that's not because I don't enjoy it. It's because you've got to kind of look 20 years ahead and think, mm, what is, am I going to be physically be the same? Do I want to do this? Do I want yeah. You know, it's, it's different. So everyone's got to be thinking, you know, you've got to assume or expect the worst, I guess. And I think if you prepare for the worst, then do you know what? If there still is an NHS in, or whatever, you know, in, in, in years ahead, fine, great. Did you always want to be a dentist? Um, do you know, if, if I said, yeah, I find that the weirdest thing ever. Imagine if your kids just turned around to you, I want to be a dentist. You'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, really? It would be very random, wouldn't it? I really? mean, how long have you wanted All to right, be a dentist? All right, so for me, I look, I had no idea. I went, I was... I'm a traditional academic. Do you know that? And that's probably the big difference between me and probably so many people who you have on the podcast. I am a traditional academic. I went, I went to, my mum and dad were teachers. I went to school. I got all A's and A stars at GCSE. I got all A's at A level. I went to university um, and I was just an academic. And, and when it I was, seemed like the best thing you could do with academia that's challenging and 
I think, do you know what, what's hard with academia is um, yeah, you can do so many things. Yeah. The, the problem with dentistry now is that actually they pick people on academia. Right. So, you know, we talk about why I am, inverted commas, successful in dentistry uh, compared to some of my peers. I want to I remove the inverted commas because you are definitely successful <laughs> in dentistry, you being modest. Well, we could talk about that. We can yeah. talk about what success is for sure. And I think the, the, the thing about me with, with um, you know, with um, why I've done well in dentistry was all because it was nef never anything to do with IQ. It was never anything to do with how intelligent I was. And I think if your skill in, in 2023 is that you're intelligent, your days are numbered. Well, yeah, because you don't need to be because you can basically just have all the information at your fingertips. 100%. We, we know it, we, we've got Google now. Yeah. Do you know, like, mate, the classic one I always love is when we think back to like when we were in maths at school and teachers would be like, you know, you can't use a calculator. You, you won't be walking around with a calculator. Yeah. I'm sat here now on my iPhone, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we've got ChatGPT that yeah. will actually write answers for us 100%. in full. Yeah. So if that's what you're like, so it's all about emotional intelligence now. Yeah. And I think your that's EQ. Where your EQ is, and, and it's going to be about how how do you like you say like do I have ethics? Do I when I have a conversation with someone, I can sell any treatment during consultation that's ethical because I sell what's right for the patient. Yeah. And, and actually, when someone says to me, do you, oh, you do you, you conversions really good, you know, a lot of your patients go ahead with treatment, it's because I just give them options. But I think as well, it's because you're so relatable. You yeah. break it down to people in the level that they understand. Not everybody's going to understand the technicalities. And in a sense, it's not really their job to understand. You come to a medical professional, you come to any business professional, and you want to know that you can feel comfortable knowing that they know. And I feel like, a, you give off that vibe that you know, you understand it. It's obviously something that you've studied and that you've really come to like grasps with. And that's evident with your the education stuff, which we'll touch on that you do as well. But then also you can convert that into layman's terms. Whereas the problem with most academics is that they can't or won't right. translate that into layman's terms because it's not something that they they don't have the emotional intelligence to realize how beneficial that is you know bringing somebody in and and breaking it down at their level and saying you know this might not be the best thing for you or the best dentistry is no dentistry do you know, like do you know i do you know what i find though sometimes it's like e that's ego sometimes though i feel like some and i say this in you know, with my teaching stuff and i see the dentists walking around the uh, dentist lecture around the world mm. and do you know what it is mate it's dick swinging it's yeah. just trying to look. I am the most intelligent. And you'll see some doctors and they throw big words out because they want to look. Yeah. Like like an authority figure. They'll want to look intelligent. They want to look like they know what they're talking about. But actually they do none of those things. Yeah. They sit there and throw big words out and they actually just look like, And for me, they just look like they're just trying to impress someone. But I feel like real intelligence is making complex Make things seem simple. That's so Steve Jobs. Yeah. That's, that is, yeah, it's... <laughs> That's Steve so Jobs. Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, no, what, what did I say? Do you know, it's like, it's the ultimate sophistication, isn't it? Simplicity is the ultimate mm -hmm. sophistication. It's the, if you can make something simple, you will clearly understand it. Yeah. If you can't make it simple, you probably don't understand it. Yeah. You're just regurgitating something that you've heard before. That you've read somewhere or... Yeah. yeah in a paper. But I think, but I think everyone, whatever industry you're in, I think everyone should niche. Everyone should have a real niche. Like, look, right, if you're a personal trainer, don't be a personal trainer. Be a... Um, be a personal trainer for right. So, for example, you're a you're a lady and you're a personal trainer. You've got you've got two kids. Maybe you're going to say, Do you know what? My niche. I'm a personal trainer. I see everyone, but my niche is people who um, are either pregnant or um, after pregnancy. Have a niche. If you niche, yeah. if you niche. You know, I've, I've said this before to you. I was like, 
dentist, right? A, a classic one is accountants. You can be an accountant or you can go be a dental accountant. Yeah. And this is the most stupid thing ever because a dental accountant, uh, what, why is my business different from anyone else's? Yeah. Just HMRC sit there and say, oh, hang on a second, that's a dentist. I hope it's a dental accountant who's done his yeah. accounts. No. Well, it's the, it's the principle of understanding that the underpinning knowledge is the same, but that you're applying it on a regular basis yeah. to a certain industry or to a certain type of client which then gives you authority 100%. and that increases the perceived value, perceived definitely value. the yeah, perceived yeah, yeah. value because then they think, well, this guy is the expert in that because, you know, if I want to go to, if I want Invisalign, am I going to go to the person who does a thousand a year yeah. or am I going to do the person who sometimes does it in between their NHS stuff? Yeah, 100%. And I'm probably going to go to the person who sees a thousand people because I know that they've seen it all. And they might not necessarily be a better dentist, but it's that perceived value that they've they've niched down and they've said, yeah, this is what I do. And I think that's when you can really start to, you know, carve out your own market rather than be dictated to by the, the market value. I read a really good book by um, Daniel Priestley, and he's one of my favorite authors. And um, he has a great book where he basically talks about how you can have your own market within the market yep. and you're not you know limited to the market value so for example you know Louis Vuitton handbags you can get a handbag that does the same job is made out of practically the same things and costs 200 times less yeah but the person who's trying to sell that is is literally trying their hardest to try and flog them whereas there's a queue to get into Louis Vuitton one in one out you have to go through a door which then closes behind you and and it's just the it's their own market within that. And it's, you know, it could be exclusivity. It could be um, specificity. So saying that I only do these. And I think that's Well, that's I think so there's important. also that interesting point of, it's like, so it's like if you, whatever business you're in, what your price points are, like, all right, how much are we going to charge? And, and whenever you sit down and do that, like, do you know, right? Okay, again, I'll go say you're a personal trainer because it's something that probably a lot of people get. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Like, you're suddenly like, do you know what it is? Everyone's charging 30 pound an hour. I'm gonna charge fifty pound an hour. Yeah. And you know what? What what that perceived value is for someone, someone who doesn't know, can just look from that from the outside. Like he's expensive. He must be the best. And also it allows you to be the best because I had a there's there's a paradox of the twenty pound an hour personal trainer. Yeah. And you know twenty pound an hour for personal training is is generally considered as you know on the cheaper end. It's even in Newcastle, but if you were in London, it definitely would be. Now, if you charge £20 an hour as a personal trainer and it's an easy one to get your head around because it's, you know, you go hour by hour, the chances are to make £300 a day, you're going to have to work 10 hours. Yeah. You're probably not going to have any breaks. You're probably going to be back to back. You're probably not going to do any planning. You're probably going to run behind a little bit. You're going to be drained because by the sixth person, you're sick of talking. By the seventh person, you're knackered. And by the ninth person, you're barely even there. Yeah. You're just a vessel. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And as a result... Because you've agreed to do that, you start becoming worth £20 an hour because yeah. your service decreases. Now flip that on its head. You start charging £50 an hour, okay? You now only see, you know, six people in the same time that the other person's seeing 10. You've got gaps in between. You're more well-rested. You're giving yourself 15 minutes before and after. Over the, that 10-hour period, you're only working six of them. But you're making the same amount and you're actually worth that additional and, and, and money. The, we, well, we talk about this a lot, but then it's also because of the energy that you've burnt and the energy that you've run out of, you then don't have the time, energy, and potentially money to then go and invest. 
and mm-hmm. go do more courses and, and you, think, you think oh do you know what i've got my basic qualification that's all i need yeah and it's the same in anything so so that's personal training let's look at it in dentistry terms because that's what i understand dentistry terms when you qualify as a dentist you go into a year where you just you just basically it's like not junior doctor it's like it, you basically have a year where you just start doing nhs dentistry yeah and you get paid a salary so did you start in the nhs when you left 100 yeah so most dentists will and you might earn 30 grand, right? right. So straight out of dental school, 30 grand. And then you become an associate. And when you become an associate, if you took a big NHS contract, so you could take like, in, in NHS dentistry, they do units of dental activity. You could take a, a units of dental activity and you could get really busy doing NHS dentistry. Really busy doing NHS dentistry. And it's just like, check up, check up, check up, check up, see 40 patients a day. So that's the same equivalent. So what that is, that's a 20 pound an hour personal trainer. Yeah. What always killed me about the National Health Service was, you couldn't, there was no way of increasing your value. You couldn't increase your value mm. because this is how much it is for a checkup. This is how much it is for a fill-in. You could go on 100 courses, but you were still only going to be able to ch- pay that, charge yeah. that. So that's the £20 an hour personal trainer. You're like back to back, back to back. You're tired. You stop discussing things like alignment of people's teeth, the colour yeah. of people's teeth. Someone's got a gap. You're not going to mention an implant because you've got 39 other patients that day. Yeah. And you know it doesn't really matter if you do or not. Yeah, because you, you, you also, you mention it, and then because you mention it and you're tired and you're not really pitching it properly, then the patient's not interested, and then, you know, you feel like you've been rejected, so you then don't mention it to the next person. Yeah. And the flip side of that is you're so busy, you never then go on any courses, you never mm-hmm. qualify. So you, you basically, you, your last course you did was your dental school yeah. qualification, which is the basic bread and butter. Like, yeah. you, you've got to, it's a bit like, a, you know, You've got to do your level three personal trainer to become a personal trainer, but then you can go on millions and millions of other courses. Yeah, and you're always doing that, and it's not necessarily a qualification as such. It's about just continued professional Investing development. Investing in yourself and 100 and putting more time and effort into the actual craft to basically be worth more, so that you can start making more. I, I, I said honestly, since I, I graduated 20, 10 years ago, I've easily spent over. Um, couple of hundred thousand on dental courses since yeah easily and do you think the what what do you think it is though that puts other dentists off doing that because surely they would have the same access do you think they just they don't see the value in it or do you think they just assume that they'll do it one what is it because everybody knows that they can do that they can reinvest in themselves i guess do you know what, right if someone said to me what should I do? And they were like a 20 pound an hour personal trainer or they were an NHS dentist just grafting away and they were happy doing that, then I would just say to them, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a 20 pound an hour personal trainer or being an NHS dentist. Mm. It's the ones who moan about that. So if they say yeah. to you, if they say to you, oh, it's ridiculous, I should be charging people more, yeah. then... They're the people who have to stop and reflect. And I think, do you know what's really hard, mate? I'll tell you what really stops people. You and me can say this as, as, as our point in life. Once you have kids, once you get mortgages, hey, look, I know dentists who've got two kids in private school, um, a couple of a couple of thousand a month on the mortgage, then, and uh, you know, they're paying 500 pounds, let's say, for a car a month. Suddenly, I, I got chatting to a dentist who said his outgoings were four, like five grand, like five or six grand a month. Mm. Like once you're out going to five or six grand a month, you're stuck. Like you, yeah, if, even if you, if you want to change, you and know. What, what really screws people with things like the National Health Service is if that system changes, so they introduce contracts, and if a new contract comes in, 
and you're, that's your life. And, and they're now like, right, actually you're going to get paid half the amount for the, for the same amount of work. You're like, no, I can't do that. I need this amount. So what have you got to do then? You've got to double your workload. Yeah. That's where it becomes stressful. So you've got to take ownership. I think whatever you, whatever you do, you've got to you've got to look at it and you've got to say, well, first of all, I think more of us, particularly our generation, should manage our. Um, it's really you know I look I just don't say this as a privileged person to say you we should all manage our outgoings more. Yeah. We should all manage our outgoings more. Hundred you know I mean? percent. I, mean, I, mean, I just I only have to look at how much I eat or I spend going out eating. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh mate, and look. I'm terrible sometimes, yeah, you know, same. buying coffees and shit like that. But I know that realistically, those sort of things you can cut back on. Yeah. And I think that, but you can choose to cut back on the month on month. It's the agreements that people tie themselves into. 100%. And I, that, I always say about holidays. People. Holidays don't bother me because I can either afford it or I can't. I pay for it, I don't. Yes. Once it's paid, you haven't made fine. a commitment. I'm you haven't not, got a fucking yeah, timeshare. I'm not, exactly. I'm not. <laughs> Do you think we'll still get timeshares? I don't know. I'm sure um, you probably still can. I just don't know why you would. No, but that, anyway, and that, and that is exactly it. It's, it's, it's if you tie yourself in. I think they're the killers, aren't they? They're the killers for people are yeah. things that are regular. And then you've got your, your, your hands tied and you're stuck doing something shit that you don't like because you've, you've dulled your senses by spending money on outgoings to make it bearable doing the thing that you don't like and then and, and that's the cycle that's the cycle you're stuck in mm -hmm. if you go to work and you're not if you don't enjoy what you do then you get home you're tired you haven't prepared some food you haven't got anything out the freezer yeah <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah and you're like oh, do you know what it is i'm gonna order a takeaway yeah and you spend the money on the takeaway you eat sh shit basically yeah so you're nutritionally not 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 driven so then the next day it's just and it's just a vicious cycle yeah and, and it, it's a really hard one and i think it's why particularly if you are early 20s or younger yeah wow what a great time do you know what i speak to so many young people who are like oh yeah i live at home i uh, can't wait to move out i'm like whoa yeah <laughs> whoa <laughs> freeze yeah you live at home Best time to now start, you know, and you know, so Testing many, so many podcast people, you know, have talked about this. Yeah. Someone like Joe Rogan talks about, you know, he, he talks about when he, he was 20 trying to make it on the comedy circuit. You wouldn't be able to do that, that, that graft and grind if you've got all those bills. To you're pay. a taxpayer. Yeah. You, you've got mortgage. You've got kids in, in, in education. Yeah. I think as well, a lot of people, young people, especially, and the the sort of generation that we're in, everybody's looking to do things to make money, put their money to work for them and, and all that stuff. And you see a lot of you see a lot of people giving advice, financial advice on making your money work for you and drop shipping and, and all Crypto, these sort of things. Yeah. Forex. Figure out how to make money. Yeah. So that even if you lost everything today, you could start making money tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that is the key, isn't it? We were speaking a little bit about it before, but Figure out a way to make twice as much per day, I, doing I think, what you're doing now. I, I totally agree with the making. I think, look, there's obviously active income and passive income. And mm -hmm. I think one thing I've, look, the worst thing for me, and, and, and I can put my hands up and say this, and I've got, I've got friends who are really, uh, have really got into, for example, property or very passive income streams. The biggest problem for me as a high grossing dentist is that is all active. Mm -hmm. I have to work to, yeah. to make that money. Now look, I'm 30, so there's. Does that mean I haven't been putting money into passive things? I have, but I've also been spending a hell of a lot increasing my active. Yeah, but you're increasing. Income. Yeah, but you're so increasing the the money that 
making potential that you have. A lot of people will rush to put the the two thousand pound that they have to their name yeah. into an account that's going to make them nine percent per year. I understand compound interest. I understand how all of that works. Yeah. Obviously, if you can spend that two thousand pound making it so instead of making ten pound an hour, you're making thirty pound an hour. Yeah. In a month of working, you know. I, I think well, it's diversification, isn't it? Like any, anyone who said like so in dentistry now, I've got. Look, it's not diverse because it's all within dentistry, but even within dentistry, I've got yeah. five income streams. But you've got the education stuff, you've got going yeah, exactly. out to so places. I, I, go, I go and lecture, yeah. I have online stuff, I have, yeah, I've got uh, oral uh, oral B stuff. I've got, I've got about, f like I said, about five income streams in dentistry now. Yeah. Um, plus, I do have stocks and shares. Plus, you know, so you have to, but like, like I said to you, is I agree. I think if you put all your money into that, then well, you I think figured the out a way of, you figured out a way of capitalizing on the skills that you have and making more and carving a route out yeah, for yourself. And, and let's not forget, more on top of that is I love what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and do you know what? If I hadn't have invested all that time, so I've got, look, I've got friends who are busy NHS dentists who then are just like, oh, well, I don't know why you bother, David. I put all my money into property. And, and I'm like, yeah, but do you know what? You, you hate yeah. dentistry. And you hate going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so like, who's yeah. winning? Like you've got, you might have 10 properties, but if you then still have to go to dentistry, dent go do dentistry and you don't like it. Yeah. My yeah. days are like, I'm just see, mate, I see people like you. I see people who I, like my friends effectively. Yeah. I'm like, mate, my days, people work with me, like the nurses who work with me are like, David, your patients are just different from everyone else's patients. But that's because that's what you've carved out. People are coming to you because yeah. they're drawn to you. It's all by design. And I think that speaks to what we said at the very, very start about you being a genuine person, having uh, good morals. I think obviously we haven't really spoke about it, but the work that you've done on social media and the, the you know, you've, I think from the outside looking in, you have treat social media, not as a secondary, yeah. but as a primary to being able to do what you do. You know, what? if it wasn't for social media, you know, how many of the, inbound leads would you actually have coming in i think what you know what it is about social media is that for firstly what people would always say to me was like why do you not have so people in dentistry would say to me why do you not have a separate personal account and professional account mm -hmm. now first of all i was like who the fuck would follow dr david brown <laughs> i would <laughs> just <laughs> So people be like Dave. people be like dr people david like, people are like nah, that's a weird account to follow but no but for me Firstly, my answer to that is I can't I can't compartmentalize my life. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not like dentist here, yeah. David here. Like I am me and like my family and my friends yeah. and my dentistry, it's all just mashes into yeah. one. But and that's why I'm so authentic. You're David when people are in that chair yeah. and you're David 100%. when they get out and you're David when I see you at the gym well, and you're David I'm here. Always, I'm always the same. Like, you know, you know, it's really weird because when I was at dental school, they would talk to you about like being professional now, then you, and I was like, do you know what it is? What I realized about professionalism, professionalism basically is a term used by businesses, mm -hmm. schools, etc., to basically just stop you doing things that they don't want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's unprofessional. To like, what, do you, what do you mean unprofessional? Based yeah. on what? Like, is swearing unprofessional? I don't know. Well, yeah, it depends on who you're talking to, surely. And, and exactly. But, like, that's part of my own authenticity, too. But so, like, that, is that because they have to hedge against people not having a high level of emotional intelligence where probably you can sit with somebody and go this is the version of yeah David I, I would that know i need to I, be which here patient i could swear in front of yes and if, if people don't have that i guess the problem with education generally is that it's designed to 
prepare a workforce yeah. for factory work, essentially. So it's designed to be a blanket approach across. We take every single person who comes through this production line yeah. and we make sure that when they leave, they have the skills, knowledge and behaviors to fit in this is the matrix isn't it this is what yeah (laughs) okay here we are this is this is we've arrived at this point in the (laughs) podcast where i have to make a little disclaimer and i know we haven't spoken about this yet so they'll be able to see on the cameras a little bit but obviously you know that we're essentially sat in what feels like an anderson shelter bunker yeah it feels like i'm in a nuclear bunker right with the this corrugated roof and i I struggle to speak about conspiracy theories while I'm sat here because it, it makes me feel like I'm a tinfoil helmet wearing. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm sat in a bunker talking about the Matrix. Yeah. Have I it, turned, have I went mental? Is what I worry about. Possibly, I'm. but have we not? Have we not all? Do you know, like yeah. honestly, like we have. Do you not just feel like this environment's perfect for conspiracy theories? Man, I can talk conspiracy theories. I mean, it's, um, it's just like it's. <laughs> I just. I yeah. think, look, I think, but no, what you're saying is so true. It's like, that is, that is what they want. That's what the system yeah. wants. And yeah. I, like, they don't want you to think for yourself. Like, yeah. and that's like, whatever industry you're going to, whether it's just you, whether you're at school, they don't want you to, they don't want you to think. Yeah. They don't want you to question things. And look, as, as dads now, look, we've got kids now who are asking questions. Do you know what? I want, I want, all I ever want from my kid is to keep asking questions. Yeah. Do you know what? Challenge authority. Ask questions. I, I want him to do that. Yeah. And do you know what? It, it might make him get into trouble at school or whatever it might be. Yeah. But I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone asking me a question. Well, I think previously, authority figures were the gatekeepers of information. 100%. Whereas now, information's everywhere. Yeah. So there's not, they're not the gatekeepers of information. If anything, there's too much information. 100%. So now, the, you know, the power is with they the consumer. Can't really lie. The power is with the consumer yeah, now. 100%. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk about in dentistry. We talk about the it was an authoritarian style. So you went, and and we still get it. It's really difficult. So if I see an older patient, like a like an eight year old patient, they come in. They're like, "What do I need?" And I'm like, "Well, what what problems have you? You know, like I'm trying to trying to talk to. Them. I'm like, yeah. well, what problems have you got? What concerns have you got? Nothing. What do I need?" Like they want to be told yeah. you need a fill in. Yeah. Our generation don't want to be told they need a fill in. Our generation want to be like, let me have a look at the x rays. Let me have a look at the photographs yeah. you took and the records oh, you I've took. Been, I've been following a dentist in thingy or I've, I, I spoke to somebody yeah. and they were telling me about X, I, Y, and Z. So I suppose, you know, what's really good, modern dentists like myself, I would welcome that. If someone says to me, oh, I've had three, three other consultations, I'd be like, oh, great. How did they go? Tell me about them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like, uh, red flag patients shopping around because we're in a consumer world now. Yeah. So I totally agree. I think whatever industry you're in, like you say, now the, the consumers do know so much more. Yeah, you, and can't, it, bu- you, know, you can't bullshit If people. someone says to me, I want to, I want to go get crowns in Turkey, I would never talk someone out of that. I would just, I would just want them to understand what the lifelong ramifications of that problems with that decision with that is. And because I'm in a fortunate position where I've got to then see a lot of people who've been and done that. Yeah. And I get to see the repercussions of it. So there's got to be a, a tipping point. You know, there'll, there'll be people watching this who are in a, might be in your industry, but they might, they'll definitely be in an, a self-employed industry and they might go, easy for you to say you're in a position where you can turn work away. Yeah. Now there's got to be a tipping point where you're at this position where you can afford to just be like, this isn't the right fit for you, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Was that after you left NHS dentistry or was that just straight away? Do you know what's what hard, right? Actually, when you leave NHS dentistry is the time where, where... So what's really hard is when I started in private practice, I was literally told, David, you've got no patients. 
you just need to you just need to start seeing patients. You're going to start seeing new patients, and you're going to have to build up your client base effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's like any industry. I mean, you you come out and you don't have clients, yeah. so it's like so. That is the most dangerous time for any for any industry you're in because do you know what? The slippery slopes. Yeah, you 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 are at that point, and and I was chatting to some of the other dentists about this. Is, is that what happens is especially in a in a cosmetic clinic if there's a recession or whatever there is, then if you become quieter, it becomes riskier because what happens is quieter means you suddenly take on cases where you shouldn't take them on. Yeah. And if you were busy, you wouldn't have taken them on. And you get into that, you start yeah. becoming worth. Exactly. So then now you're like, well, I've now let my standards slip. I've started doing dentistry that I wouldn't have done before, but I'm doing it because I need to pay the bills. Yeah. So yeah, I, absolutely. I am in a fortunate position now where I've, but I've come through that. And how I came through that, I was, when we moved back to Newcastle, when we, we moved to Newcastle, we moved in with my other half's parents. Right. So I moved from like, we, we always kept finances. So the key there is, is you've got to make sure that your outgoings aren't you high. You kept your outgoings low exactly. so that you weren't so my outgoings were low, so I was never compromised. How The worst decisions that you make are when you're in a financial pickle. 100%. Like you make, you make terrible decisions when your back's up against the wall financially. It's hard to think straight. It's not straight. even just financially. You make terrible decisions when, when okay, you make terrible decisions when you're tired. You make terrible decisions when you ha- don't have any money. You have tired, de- make terrible decisions when you're hungry. Like when you're in a, a poor emotional state for yeah. whatever reason, be it money, be it time, when you're busy, you make bad decisions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We've all had road rage. We've all been late for something, had road rage. This guy's fucking cutting yeah. me off. Yeah, and, and, and you make bad decisions. Yeah. When you're calm and relaxed, you yeah. make good decisions. Everything feels fine. And, you know what's even funnier is that we had this thing. Like one of the things that we used to have at our clinic was like we used to have one-hour consultations with everyone. So like every new patient came in, had a one-hour consultation. I've never done that. I'll never really do it because probably with an hour, it's too long. It's too long mm. with someone. What ends up happening? And, and for a start, our generation don't want an hour. If you, if, if you yeah. rang up to book an appointment and they said, oh, it's going it's to be a one-hour consultation, you'd be like, an hour? Yeah. Like, I, I don't have an hour. Yeah. I, I just want to come in. I can I want to find out if I can have Invisalign and I want to do it. Yeah. So I never had an hour um consultation. So it's it's just about how you how you plan things. But what I noticed was dentists would or whatever profession you're in, if you had an hour, you felt like you were giving them the ultimate consultation. Mm. You were doing photographs, you were doing this, doing that, doing that. And actually what you ended up doing, you ended up like talking people into business and back out of it. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you had like too long with them. You had too long. You were just kind of going around it in circles. It almost comes across desperate. It's yeah. like if, if you're like, you know, like you're busy, there's a, people can take, like, people can like smell that you're busy. Yeah. And there's almost an attractiveness to that. Yeah. Like this guy, he's busy, he's direct. He knows that he's told me straight away very quickly. Yes, this is what I think is good for you. This yeah. is how much it's going to cost. This is how long it's going to take. This is what's going to be involved. These are your next steps. Yeah. And you're like, wow, there's an element of that that you're like, whoa, yeah. He's yeah. direct. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. There's an, there's a risk I think when you've got too long with someone. You're like, oh, you know, let me show you this case as well, and let me show you this, and, and you're like, God, this guy really needs the business. You've got a lot of time on your hands. This guy really needs the business. Yeah. Like maybe he's not right for me. Yeah. So I think there's, there's something to be said for that. And it's again, a lot of psychology involved. Yes. And I think that that's something that people will overlook. Definitely. But, and what's worse about that is you can't fake that. Like, yeah. So someone can't listen to this and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to look really busy. Because you know what? You'll end up just looking rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's something, not, if you're, you are genuinely busy, I can turn work away because 
it's not right for someone because I know that I've also got another X number of clients who, who, are, who, who it might be right for. Yeah. And I'll sleep better at night then as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You do it right. So what if you were like coming into this industry now, you've just done your two years at the NHS. What if you, what advice would you give to somebody who's just fresh? into the industry. Obviously, we'll talk about dentistry, but I think it'll be applicable across All right, whatever industry you come out of, if you've just done your qualification or just done your training, all I would say is, number one, I would keep any expenses low. Yeah. Expe no, personal expenses low. And that's this is the mistake people make. They're like, yeah, yeah, David said I need to keep my expenses low, so therefore I, I can't go on that course because it's going to... I can't go see Tony Robbins in, in Birmingham because it's going to be four grand. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's an investment. Keep your personal expenses low. Keep, you know, eat out less. Try and live at home. Try and not have a stupid phone contract and a fancy car. I knew a lot of dentists who, as soon as we qualified, they went and bought, like, you know, a four, five hundred pound a month car. Um, I bought my car off cash seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still got the, uh, the white I still got it. I still nice. got it. And, and like, but it's, no, man, I bought that 27 grand seven years ago. That's good, though. You're not looking at it going, fucking hell, that car costs me a fortune. I hate it. it, it do, do you know it what? It gets right? from A to B. Oh, we laugh about it. And it's nice. We, it's not, we, yeah. we laugh about it because it's, it's a hairdresser car, man. Let's be honest, right? But do you know what's, do you know what's, what's really funny about it is I feel for a if, for reference point, it's a it's a white Range Rover Vogue. <laughs> it's, it, do you know what's really funny, right? Is the fact please that don't judge him. The fact that someone says to me, David, I need you to be in London, and I'll and I'll. So I was at Heathrow two weeks ago, and I'm like, there's not a bit of me that's thinking like about my car mileage or anything stupid like that. Yeah. You're just like, care. oh yeah, no worries. I don't care. It's got like 125,000 miles on it. Yeah. And 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 I just and my other half, like she, she will be like, literally like, David, why are you not, why are you not getting a new car? Why yeah. not get a new car? You can afford a new car. Yeah, I can afford a new car. But it's for me, it's just an expense. Now here, look, if you like cars and if you're interested in and cars, if that's what gets you going, and if you enjoy it, yeah, it's totally different. But early stages of your career. So that was the question. Early stages of your career. Don't. Don't have masses of expenses. It comes down to, do you want to look successful 100%. or do you want to be successful? 100%. And, and do you know what? That's, that is the funny thing. And that's what's hard now for people because let's be honest, it's to most people, just like some of these apps that make you look better looking or have a chiseled, you know, mate, we, all we had was yeah. downlighting. <laughs> yeah, the Hollister downlighting. Yeah. Do you remember that? The, the Hollister uh, changing rooms. Um, but that, no, that's exactly what it's about now. So people are more, f I think there's too many people now are, are obsessed with trying to look successful. Yeah, hey, I, I think there are people who would rather look successful. 100%. There are people who are actually, as you ask them that question and their genuine answer is, I'd rather, I'd rather be perceived as successful. Well, do you know what? It's Tim Ferriss that talks about this in the four hour work, work, work week. He talks about people don't want to be millionaires. People want a millionaire lifestyle. Oh. And that is like, that is a totally different thing. Yeah. Like, do you want to be, except you, you flip and compare that to, there's a book called The Millionaire Next Door. And basically they were looking at millionaires in America. Yeah. And the millionaires in America lived in semi-detached houses. Yeah. They had 10 year old cars. Yeah. And they were millionaires. Now, what, what do I, what would I rather be? Um, for me, money would, is more about security. It's somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Look, it I, I think I, I so. Don't, I, I, I don't really so. like... I've met people who have a lot of money and they're stingy. Yeah, I know, exactly. I know, there's, a, there's I know a guy who's got, you know, upwards of 400 properties. Yeah. And he sneaks on the ski resorts. Yeah. Like he gets a kick out of that. It's what? What for your ski pass? <laughs> £80 for the day? Like this guy's ex extremely rich and, like, taking the piss like that and not replacing things and, and being stingy. 
I think there's a, like you said, there's a, there's a, a fine, of, there's a fine line, but I definitely think, and and that's the hardest bit that there's a fine line, and mm. and so at what point? So the next question, is someone says, well, okay, so when I first get my qualification, I live at home for a bit, and you know, look, I know people who are like mid thirties still living at home, and I'm like, like the, for me, there there should be a point where you're like, right, I need to, you know. yeah. But then, but then look, that, I'm not. That's not even the right. Everyone's different, and everyone yeah. has their own opinion on it. Yeah. Uh, if they're happy there, um, I wouldn't be. For me, like I like to be. Yeah, there has to be like a sense of self worth where you where you feel like you're progressing. And also for your parents' sake, man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like just just living at home, it's not really fair on my parents. I don't think. Yeah. But um, no, I think so. The hard thing is is at what point do you transition from spending all your money on your investments and your self-investments and your personal development at what point do i start enjoying that money and yeah, enjoying the hard work definitely and that's hard so the education stuff then you do some lecturing as well how did you get into that and is that something that you've enjoyed doing well do you know what what's really funny is when i first when i first so when i did my foundational training my first year out of dental school what was really funny about that was out after that I got asked the following year to go back and talk to 12 people for free, right? Okay. Now, what was really funny, and I don't really talk about this ever, but when I was in final year at dental school, I struggled with public speaking. Right. Like, no one would even believe it. Like, like I, I actually used to get short of breath. I actually, to the point of when I was coming to my finals at dental school, so you had to do oral examinations, I actually went into my GP and I got some propranolol to calm my sympathetic nervous system basically right. so when i went to talk I, I'd, I'd ha like an hour before i'd have a propranolol and it would just stop my heart rate going and things like that propranolol propranolol that sounds like a hard word to say propranolol it's Pro a beta blocker so it's a beta blocker it's a beta blocker so you okay. take it you take it and it Calms basically your nerves, it basically means what i was finding your... is if i was going up to publicly speak or something like that i would i would be like my heart would start racing and all you these start <laughs> yeah exactly i i feel like that's i feel like that is probably a common response. Definitely, I, definitely. Yeah. So what I, so people who say to me, well, how do I get better at public speaking? I would be like, you just, number one, you've got to do it. Yeah. Right? So if my first thing was like, right, I'm going to go talk to 12 people. I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. And I did it. And then I did it the following year for a similar sort of thing. And then it was like, oh, David, can you come and speak to 102 people and you'll be paid 900 pound for it. And I was like, like, but but you had to do the free stuff yeah. to then be getting paid well to then go and do a, a That's talk. been a theme through these, is the doing things for free. And yeah. one of my favorite quotes is that someone who does more than they're paid for will eventually be paid for more than they do. And every single person who I have come in, and they have a similar story about doing things for free, yep. going above and beyond. And then eventually inbound opportunities come. And I think that there's a... In this industry, in this kind of current climate that we're in, there's such a detachment from, you know, people. People put a lot of value on their time, and I get that. Yeah. But when you're starting out, time's your biggest asset. Yeah. 100%. And even if you're busy, you can still make time, and you can make time to do things for free. And I promise anybody who's listening, if you put yourself out there, obviously don't let people take the piss out of you. Yeah. But that's not a situation like you've been asked to come in and talk. Yeah. yeah it's giving you a stamp of authority. That's not. 
that's not people taking the piss out of you. But it, it does, it not just pays you dividends. Yeah, that guy. Ha, he came for free. Get, get David again, all nervous. He was in the back panting. Get the, yeah. the, guy, get the guy with the propranolol. Yeah, he does it for free. Get scared, he and you know, what's really funny about that was, um, I don't take propranolol anymore. What was really funny about okay. it, what was really funny about it was, and this Can is- you a, just ride out to yourself? This is a, no, you go to CGB. It's quite very easy to get. But my, okay. but what was crazy about it, when, and I, this was a Tony Robbins thing, actually. I remember reading it, and basically, what nerves, what, what feeling did I get when I was going out to do public speaking? My heart would start racing. I would get a bit of a dry mouth. I'd feel like my, um, it was all the adrenaline effects. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I still, so last year I was speaking in um, in Las Vegas. So I, I was lecturing in Las Vegas, Miami. I've done Los Angeles this year. So I'm getting to go to all these m m amazing places. And you could be quite intimidated to go and lecture and talk to a group of cosmetic dentists in Los Angeles. Yes, but what's really I imagine funny, so. What's really funny is that I still get all the same feelings before I go talk. Yeah. But you know what I realized? And this is the craziest bit. It's called reframing. I used to see it as nerves and I used to see it as being 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 anxious mm -hmm. and I reframed it and I realized, you know what? I was fucking excited. Yeah, that's Mate, exactly I, what I'm, I was thinking. I'm, I'm buzzed, They're man. synonymous, it's aren't the, they, almost? It's, the exact it's like same. excitement and nervousness. It's the same, like... The same responses, but it's just the... So how do you feel it in your yeah. head? So now when I get, my heart starts racing, I'm like, it's go time. Let's go. It's go yeah. time. It's time for me to go and talk yeah. and do my thing. Am I, am I anxious? And can they? It, can that be a positive anxiousness? And it, do you know what I mean? Is yeah. that something I'm, that I'm I feel? Like, I'm, I'm literally. I'm raring to go. I'm super yeah. excited, and and so that's where I am at now. So like anyone who does feel like, oh, I'm not very good at public speaking. Although I'd say it was like, I'd go, I'd go do it. Yeah. I'd go do it as much as you can. Talk as much as you can. If you get a chance to go on a podcast, go on a podcast. Yeah. Talk. If you get a chance to do anything where you're getting up and talking to groups or, or yeah. things, do it. Because actually, and, and you know, Warren Buffett says, you know, like, what, what is he, like third richest man in the world? Changes obviously all the time. But Warren Buffett says, the, and this is the guy who invested early in Apple, Facebook, all yeah. these great companies, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, yeah. Um, and he, he says the best course he ever did was a public speaking course. Dale, yeah. Dale Carnegie public speaking course. And you're like, this is a guy who's investing in all these businesses. He's saying the best investment he ever made was in a, pu a public speaking course. And in himself. But that's the what, best that's investment the guy's made is in himself because it's gave him the the, the tools to 100%. put himself into those good positions and come across well. I think we are uh, we've gone over a lot there, and I think there'll be a lot of things for people to to digest. Uh, there. Do you know, I, there's more. I feel like when you, know, when you ask me to to come on, you know, like you kind of sometimes think, well, what can I offer? But like when you when you and me get talking, and this was like what we're like first thing in the morning, like half six at CrossFit yeah, gym, yeah. just like talking shit to each other. Yeah. But actually so many little things, I'd leave the gym, just having conversations with you re reinvigorates me. And um, one of the reasons I really wanted to do the podcast though is because I feel almost selfish having a lot of these conversations that I have with people like yourself and people who are, are making, you know, waves in the industry that they're in and you can get so much value out of them. Yeah. I mean, you're from Wakefield. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from, you know, the northeast of England. These places aren't, you know, they're not typically, you know, we're not from the centre of London. We're, we're not, we're, I, think, I think what you get, I mean, we're not special people. No. And, and that's what's so, no. I, that's what's so exciting about it. You know, I remember at dental school, someone said to me, like, everyone seemed to have dentists in the family or something. Oh, you must have, oh, he must have some special connections. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think either of us have. I no. Think, I think we've just kind of... But I realised you know, quite early on in my career that a bunch of people who have similar interests 
can sit down together and come to you know some sort of agreement or they can they can bounce ideas off each other help each other push each other in the right direction you don't need a fancy business degree you don't need um you know the the special connections the backing of a rich family you don't need all of these opportunities not in 2023 you just, you just need to sit down yeah that's the key we, yeah. we, you know whatever anyone says about our generation how unfortunate we are and yeah. house prices and interest rates and all these other things we there's never been a better time there's never been a better time to be working class there's never been a better time we, we're so connected now yeah we're so connected because we're all connected via the internet and but it's it's just it's just about recognizing that and, and having conversations and and seeing if people can help each other i mean through us knowing each other at some point it will benefit us in a a, a person either a, a our relationships, our personal yeah. relationships, our, our our business, something will click definitely because we're always moving in different circles and and doing things. And I think that having conversations with people and and knowing that you know you can just sit down with like-minded people and hypothesize something and and go from there, it's empowering, I believe. I agree. So thank you for having me. No, honestly, I, I thank you so it. much for coming in. I really appreciate it, and I think that it's interesting for. It's interesting to get someone who is an academic on because, you know, I work in education. I have got a lot of time for education. And I think that it's interesting to see that you can go through those traditional channels like you did yeah. and then get to the end point where people would stop and go, right, I'm here now. Yeah. School, sixth form, ed uni, doctor, dentist, got yeah. the job, nailed it. Done. No, Yeah. just began. Yeah, yeah exactly. that whole thing was to get me here and now i go emotional intelligence building relationships what else can i do how can i make money where can i invest it where can and, i and make that's relationships where everything doesn't matter what industry you're in that's why it all it, it's all the same yeah because it's because the skills do you know what the entry requirements are different mm -hmm. but once you've got the baseline to do whatever you want to do people make you rich people people are people as well and i've learned that yeah. from being going you know i've been in america and people are people yeah even weird americans people are people we all you know we're all the same yeah awesome man Correct. thank you so much again cheers man appreciate it till next time cheers mate right guys we're wrapping up see you next time